and, and here is here is Preston. Hey everyone, great to see you. Uh, hey, how are you doing? Excellent. Well, so please carry on. Welcome back to the program, Preston. Yes, nice Thank to you have so you back. Much. I appreciate you guys having me. Well, Preston, we've we've just been on with Peter Toole from the WRC, and obviously um, some some huge changes in in the World Rally Championship for 2022. Um, just want to start with you looking at, just like the WRC, you're just a, a few weeks away from, um, from the end of your 2021 season. Um, you've got a few more weeks to prepare relative to the WRC before you get into uh, snowdrift mode and the start of the national championship in, in 2022. But you've had a couple of, uh, not quite a couple of years in the, uh, in the job now. Um, where do you see the ARA, the, the American Rally Association and the national championship at the moment? How, how does it sort of sit with you in terms of where it is and, and where it's going? Yeah, of course, you know, uh, the off season seems to get shorter and shorter every year as we add more events to the calendar. So our last event is actually happening this weekend in Minnesota, a smaller regional event. But, you know, of course, the difference with our series, say, compared to the WRC is uh, we handle pretty much uh, almost 20 events in the U.S., anything from small regional races all the way up to our, our full national calendar. So, um, you know, our, our challenges are a little bit different and so really it's it's a multifaceted approach um you know the the way i look at the smaller regional events compared to the national events you know for the national events it's using the fia and and the wrc um as um as you know kind of where we want to be and and uh, obviously it's it's a long journey to get anywhere close to that but really that's about the higher level competition in terms of uh, things like the R5 cars or the Rally 2 cars now, of course, and and uh, certainly the top level of our, our sport here in the U.S., which is the open four-wheel drive. Um, you know, for, for us, the unique challenge is uh, being able to gear the series to handle not only that level of competition, but but also the smaller grassroots since uh, they're, they're under our same banner. Because that's a very good point. We, for, for, for guys who maybe... Um follow ARA on a, on a sort of more, not, not so in-depth level. They're seeing uh, Travis Pastrana, they're seeing Ken Block, they're seeing uh, Brandon Semenuk, and they're seeing, you know, the, the, the factory Subarus. Mm -hmm. But the thing that really makes the championship, obviously, is, is, the, is the grassroots, the, the, the privateer competitors. So when you're basically looking at events and looking at formats, how do you manage to basically cover the basis for, for everybody, make it, make it uh, enough for Subaru to sort of, uh, you know, realize that their investment and the profile is, is, is what it should be. But for the, uh, for the competitors who are basically working on cars and garages and, and, you know, the national championship really is the, the Holy grail. How do you, how do you make it work for everybody? You know, I, I think the important thing is really defining the expectations for everyone. So not only our expectations of events and, and the national series, uh, but also for competitors, sponsors, and, and uh, you know, from the top teams, as you mentioned, Subaru, down, down to the guys just getting started in their garage. And, you know, our approach to national events, of course, um, is the show's a bit bigger and the technology we're using is a bit more cutting edge. So, of course, a big addition for our series this year was the implementation of RallySafe, not only from... Mm -hmm. 
uh, tracking perspective, which for us was a big boost to the safety of the sport, um, but also using their system for timing and scoring, which, which really kind of revolutionized how we handled that. Um, that, of course, is a premium system with its capabilities, but also its price tag. So uh, that's not something that we're going to use, say, at the smaller regional events. Um, but obviously something we're able to do at the, at the national. So, you know, in terms of looking at events, really we're looking at quality of the organization, quality of the roads, um, the amount of stage miles we're, we're able to get. So uh, there's, there's kind of a, a working checklist, if you will. But again, that's, that's us with events going, you know, here's our expectations, here's what we want to see and, and, uh, and able to pick the national events from that. And, and the 2022 calendar has certainly, after, after the challenges of 2020 and, and 2021, has got more of a familiar feel. We, we, we start off with a, with a two-day snowdrift. We have our, our West Coast swing with, with Olympus and, and with, uh, with Oregon. In terms of what you've got next year and in terms of, um, oh, finishing as well with, with Lake Superior, um, is that for you the the optimum in terms of uh, locations in terms of the flow of the season no we we the us of course is a very big place and so we we really want to be able to represent our country uh in its entirety when we're looking at events you know being able to have like you say the west coast swing with oregon olympus um, is is great for our series. You know, we've obviously got a lot of competitors out that direction as well. Um, and the fact that we want run from Maine, which is as far northeast as you can get in the U.S. and and all the way as far west as we can get with, say, Portland or uh, or Olympus, um, you know, I think we've got got good representation. Um, you know, the the great thing that I like to see is we do have new events that we're bringing onto the calendar this year. Uh, the Bristol Rally, which which started. Um, you know, a couple of years ago at this point, we're able to bring that onto the ARA calendar. And I think that's an event uh, that's got a lot of potential. You know, it's in an area where there's a, a ton of U.S. motorsports, but mm -hmm. rally for one reason or another is, is still in the process of kind of taking off and, and gaining traction on a larger level. Um, and I, I think those are the types of areas we really have to look at where we can bring not only rally fans into the sport, but people that are fans of motorsport that maybe don't know about rally. Now, you said in the past that um, you view the way American fans interact with rallying as, as being very different to the way, for instance, European fans interact. As, as you say, European fans will, will head off to the most remote place, you know, a bit, a bit like sort of following the Tour de France. You know, they, they'll, they'll head off into the boonies and, um, you know, make, make a weekend of it, whereas maybe right. that's not quite the culture over here now the fact that you for instance brought in um you know the the the, the new tracking system um how are you sort of building up that sort of interaction with fans that sort of virtual experience yeah you know of, of course our reach is always going to be larger when you can do anything virtually um you know we can have uh, at, at our big events you know five thousand plus fans on site but reach 50 to 100,000 people yeah. online. And um, so kind of investing in the technology, which, which you know, I kind of implemented coming in and, and was a big point for me uh, coming as the lead of the series. Um, it's making that virtual experience better. Of course, something like the tracking system uh, is a big benefit for that because you can see where the cars are on the course. And, and granted, it's a little bit following dots on the screen, but uh, even something as simple as being able to watch the competition unfold pretty much live, you know, with stage times and, and where the gaps are and where the battles are, that was not something that you could really do in our sport easily. 
in, until this year. And so really following that trend and, and pushing so that the more casual fan is able to find the information, learn about the teams, learn about the drivers. Um, you know, I, I really want to find ways so that we can engage and, and, and keep people interested. So, um, you know, my, my wife has even complained in the past that uh, I'm the one competing and she can't even find anything about the race or what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm really trying to change that trend. Because for me, rallying is one of those sports that as soon as you actually are exposed to it, you get it, you're hooked, you're a rally fan. Yeah. Um, it seems as well in, in, in the States that we, we have such a, an audience that is ready to be receptive to it. When, when you look at everything from um, an incredible demographic uh, with, with, with a drifting scene, with a tuning scene, with time attack, um, the fact that we do have a, a, a culture of, off-road racing it, it seems that rallying is almost like if you haven't discovered it it ticks all of those boxes and, and more besides I mean getting the message out there I think is is, is one of the biggest things as, as to what rallying does offer to a to a motorsports fan yeah absolutely I mean uh I, I am very biased, but I think rally is one of the most exciting motorsports out there, um, not only from a, a car te technology standpoint, you know, and, and we're seeing, of course, the WRC kind of getting on the cutting edge with running hybrids at, at the top end of their seat, uh, series, but um, obviously from the action, uh, everyone likes a car sideways throwing a big rooster tail in the dirt, and, and it's kind of converting some of those other fans, uh, as you mentioned, of the off-roading series, or, um, you know, I'm actually at the Nitro Rallycross this weekend, and, Right. And seeing the fans that they're trying to reach is kind of a similar uh, thing that we're trying to do where, you know, we know we have our core fan base in, in rally fans, but it's how do we bring in the NASCAR fans, the IndyCar fans, uh, the desert fans, you know, as, as of course is a, maybe an easier transition for us, but um, for one reason or another, the reach hasn't been great in the past and, and rally in the U S has stayed mainly grassroots with, uh, some level of expansion, you know, up and down and, and you're always going to have peaks and valleys. And so for me, we're kind of in the midst of a peak right now and, mm -hmm. and it's uh, maintaining it so that when that next valley comes, uh, it's, it's not as far down and we can go even higher the next time. One of the great things about U.S. rallying is how flexible it is in, in terms of what you compete with. Um, you know, there's, there are some great one-off cars competed in, in ARA. And I know that in, in a peripheral way, I was involved in something uh, last year where we actually brought a, with the guys from the, uh, the Toyota R&D team in Michigan, we actually brought a, a Prius onto the Olympus rally. Um, yeah. Obviously it, it didn't run as a, you know, full competing car, but still the fact that you guys were so open and receptive to, to it coming on. How do you sort of um, see the, the future in terms of you know whether whether people do want to to run hybrids in in these classes how you actually um you know prepare for the future keep your keep your level of this is this is what makes ara a different but also you know align yourself with with the, the bigger world scene that was a lot of questions sorry about that <laughs> we'll, we'll see if i cover it all um you know really i i think at its core, as you said, U.S. rallies in a little different place because of so many unique cars and the character that we have. Um, you know, you, you look at cars up and down our field and you have a car like, say, Pat Moro's, which is a V8 Chevy Sonic, which 
you know, is, is a crazy car all the way down to the grassroots guys that are say putting LS engines into, uh, you know, RX sevens and, and uh, just about everything these days. But I, I think that's so much a character of rally in the U S that I really want to make sure that I can continue to embrace that. Um, you know, on the flip side, I think to, to gain some relevance within the international competition, uh, we do need to embrace some of what the FIA is doing. And so of course, that's the biggest challenge for us uh, to be able to uh, kind of adopt and promote some of the FIA uh, classifications. Um, and, you know, we have the RC2 class here in, in ARA, which uh, does that. It's, it's the Rally 2 cars, and we actually had an R4 car come mm -hmm. up from Argentina uh, that's, that's planning on doing the season next year. So it's being able to promote those types of cars. And, and I think another important facet of it is uh, U.S. drivers kind of coming up and, and learning in the more FIA-style cars because it'll make them more relevant if they do want to go compete internationally. Um, and again, it's just that multifaceted approach of I really want to leave the grassroots so that they can play and tinker and still build stuff in their garage um, while still be able to, to increase the level of competition within those FIA classes and, and seeing things like the Rally 3 cars, you know, coming in the last couple of years uh, within, within the FIA. Um, you know, rumor is I'm going to see a couple of those in our series this year. And so it's how, how am I able to take those cars class them within our series and and uh, promote them so that we can get young drivers into them and, and move up. That's an interesting point as well about young American talents and, and, and being able to promote that within ARA. Um, case in point, Sean Johnson in, in the WRC, in, in uh, WRC2. Now, he made the move. Obviously, he had experience of competing in, in Europe uh, with, with sports cars, but he made the jump straight to Europe. Do, do you see it where the last couple of years we've had it where Oliver Solberg has, has come across to ARA for experience? We've obviously got the um the Irish contingent has been over in, in a big in a big way in, in, in yeah, recent yeah. years. Um, do you see a more sort of logical progression where for instance uh, young American drivers can choose ARA and know the point where they would jump off into one of the WRC or ERC levels? Yeah, you know, that's that's something that I really want to to do. And, and we're starting to see glimpses of that. You know, as you say, it's right now maybe more international drivers coming over to our series and competing for, say, a season or, or a few events and going back, uh, which I love to see. You know, it, it does nothing but brings the level of competition up for our series, which which at the end of the day, everyone wants to see good close racing. And that's part of it. Um, really what I, I would like to do and what we're trying to work towards is getting a homegrown driver uh, to kind of make that transition. Mm -hmm. And and we haven't seen that yet. You know, obviously, John Johnson's a great ambassador for the sport and, and kind of a U.S. connection for us. Um, but the reality is he never competed in the U.S. And so um, it's being able to bridge that gap to more international competition because that also increases uh, the visibility for our series as a whole as well. Speaking to Peter Toole before, uh, before you, Preston, um, he obviously um, made great play on, on how important uh, the US market is to the WRC and, um, you know, in, in terms of it being a fingers crossed future destination. Um, how would you, if, if, if the WRC came to the, to the US, how would that sort of work with you in terms of leverage, in terms of profile? 
and in terms of, for instance, just just simple logistics of being able to supply, you know, the, the rest of the field or, or whatever. Have you yeah. have you thought about that? Yeah, you know, it's 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 a very complicated proposition. Um, you know, to, to bring an event, the level of the WRC to the US um, is a challenge for not only them, but also for us, as you mentioned, they're gonna be using a lot of US resources, um, you know, volunteers. And and so uh, finding a, a location and, and building up, uh, I mean, even something as simple as marshals that know how FIA controls work. Uh, you know, that's that's a long-term problem that needs to be solved. And and as interest is is kind of picking up momentum in the U.S. to do that, um, you know, it's it's working with their teams to to find a location, find the right organization team, um, and putting them in place so that they can have a successful event. You know, for for our series, uh, you know, any anything. Uh, the WRC is going to do we want to be involved with um, just because of the resources that the FIA and the WRC have is multi times higher than than anything I have in the US so uh, being able to leverage their experience for our teams would be very beneficial as well. Beyond Subaru which has obviously been a, a huge supporter and a, and a huge presence in, in, in American rallying for so many years are you getting any vibes from for instance, Hyundai, for instance, uh, Ford in, in the USA, uh, Toyota, where they are seeing a, a, a value proposition in maybe becoming um, involved in, in American rallying beyond the WRC? We, we've had some surface level talks. I think the challenge is you look at the models that are used in the FIA and the WRC and, and they're just not cars that are sold or used in the US. And I think that's that's kind of the biggest challenge we have right now. Um, and and I don't mean cars used in competition. I mean, the models are just not sold in the US. Yeah, yeah, um, and, yeah. and so obviously the promotion would look a little bit different. So, um, you know, there may be some opportunity for things like the Rally 2 cars to come and compete in the US and, and um, obviously we're more than accommodating for that and and so that's really what we're we would be working for i think for them to build one-off open class cars uh to our series now is unrealistic and so that's why you know we're trying to figure out the direction of the series or i should say we're working on the direction of the mm -hmm. series um to to make it more interesting and and more viable for for manufacturers or high level sponsors um and part of that is crafting the rule set you know for the next call it two to five years so one of the things you touched on there was volunteers and and, and marshals and obviously one of the great things about rallying is it isn't just drivers that the, there are so many ways well you as a as a a a co-driver and a pretty, pretty, pretty successful one uh, who then obviously went into team management before coming into, you know, the, the bigger picture championship management. Just give us an idea of how people can get involved in, in rallying at the, at the local and at the national level in, in the States. It's uh, it's a bit of a cliche, but we always say volunteers have the best seat in the house. Um, but you know that's that's really true. Anything from um, you know working a start line and seeing the cars launch and and actually really get an understanding of how. Uh, how fast the acceleration is on even dirt um, or, you know, marshalling a, a position on a stage is a great opportunity to see the cars go by as well. Um, you know, as, as far as opportunities, all of the events need volunteers. Uh, our average national event uses about 350 volunteers. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a pretty big undertaking. And, 
um, you know, really to find how and where you need to do that is uh, to look at our schedule, you know, the, the ARA schedule on our website, um, or, uh, you know, find local events near you, but really that's going to be, be a good resource. Uh, from there, you know, we of course have all the links and everything to the individual events and, and they do volunteer signups anywhere from about six to two months in advance. Um, and uh, the, the nice thing, and one of the things we're working on this year is it, it can be intimidating to be a volunteer coming in, especially if you've never seen a rally before. And so one of the things we're working on is uh, really upping our level of volunteer training we do on a series wide level, uh, rather than being too reliant on the events themselves, because, you know, the event organizers are volunteers as well. And, mm -hmm. and they obviously have to prioritize making sure the event happens. So, um, you know, for us, being able to have some type of consistent training across volunteers, I, uh, you know, is another thing that I've really seen an opportunity for. So it's something uh, in our very short off season we're we're trying to put together. I, I just saw a question come in there from Don Taylor asking about um, the 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 vexed question of liability and insurance when it comes to uh, to rallying. <laughs> yeah. And I know that when I first moved across to the states, I, I realized that. Um, Everything and everybody was was worth suing for something. Um, how 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 big an issue is liability and insurance? You know, U.S. is pretty much the most litigious nation in the world. Um, you know, that's that's the reality of of the world that we live in. And so, uh, there's only a handful of players in motorsport insurance in the U.S. And and even past that, rally being such a unique challenge that it is on normally open public roads, uh, you know, difficult to to cordon off so that people can't access it, that's always going to be a challenge, um, you know, but for, for us, it's really working with the events, uh, making sure the safety planning that we do is, is top notch and that me and my team can lend our experience to, um, to create a, an event and a package that is at least uh, something to be insured. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty much step one. From there, we have the benefit of being a part of USAC, you know, which is a very large sanctioning body in the U.S., um, and, uh, and so of course we're able to leverage their resources, um, since, since our series is actually owned by them, uh, to, to be able to get insurance through their carrier and, and working towards that, you know, really long-term, um, it's, it's making sure the events can be run safely, um, that we don't have, have incidents and, and kind of the, the overarching one is always spectators. Um, we all want spectators there and, and they really, uh, create excitement for for drivers and and the teams but at the same time um, that's the biggest liability that we have from a racing series so um, it's it's how we handle that um, you know as far as going state by state the the process is very very similar um, and and really because we're dealing with so many different road owners or I should say the events mm -hmm. are, are dealing with different road owners uh, their requirements kind of vary state to state and uh, or or sometimes even stage to stage so it's just us working with events and and making sure whatever um you know they need in terms of coverage or or what their road owners are looking for that we work with their teams and, and make sure it happens so that we can keep having events you mentioned USAC there and, and USAC obviously being the the sanctioning body to begin with that seemed a little bit of a a left field choice, but that see that seems to be working remarkably well. Just just tell us a little bit about the the background and 
well, USAC is a <laughs> is a sanctioning body for a rally series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, if if you look at history long enough, ARA is a spinoff of a spinoff. <laughs> um, you know, of course, Rally America came into existence in the mid two thousands, and and uh, ARA came into existence in twenty seventeen. Um, you know, as a spinoff from Rally America. So uh, the the big benefit we have when when USAC uh, ultimately purchased the series or or took it over was again the resources that that they mm-hmm. can offer. Um, rally being kind of that in between grassroots and professional level motorsport, um, it's it's difficult to get operating budgets. Um, you know when when all the events are kind of individually put together, and and creating that universal experience between all, all of our events um, really took somebody coming in and 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 being able to oversee every event. And, and what I appreciate with USAC is we have access to, to their resources, whether it's insurance or they were a big part on why we could bring RallySafe in this year. Um, but other than that, they really let us operate pretty autonomously. Um, they understand that me and my team are, are the experts when it comes to rally. And so uh, fortunately, they, they really don't try and steer the direction uh, of the series or, or try and make any decisions regarding competition and, and kind of leave that up to us, which, which I really appreciate. That does sound like the perfect situation. Be, being left alone is, is, is good with me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just to close then, um, let me think. You've got 11 weeks until Snowdrift. 10 weeks 11 weeks yeah um just set the scene for 2022 we've, we've got uh, travis pastrano the overall champ from 2021 uh, we're, yep. we're back to two days of snowdrift um the, the quirk of snowdrift being it's up there in the frozen north of michigan but uh no studs allowed <laughs> right yeah that's that's the departure from a lot of snow rallies uh, internationally right so, so what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on 2022? What will, what will constitute uh, another year of progress, a, a successful 22 for, uh, for you? We, we were so fortunate coming out of 2020, which of course was a challenge for everyone. Um, but we, we carried a lot of momentum coming into 2021 and, and had a, a pretty good fight th- for the championship for the whole year between Subaru and, and Barry McKenna with, with his new car that he brought over. Um, but even down to, to the RC2 class I've talked about before, um, you know, it came down to the final race, pretty much winner take all mm-hmm. uh, for, for that class. So what we're looking at is, is that level of competition continuing um, through the season. You know, we've got, um, I think, 18 events confirmed for, for 2022, nine of them being our national championship. Um, and, and so it's really just helping those events, promoting them, growing the sports. And, and um, you know, for us, I mentioned the R4 uh, from that Argentinian team coming over. And so yes. uh, with us getting more international interest, um, I only expect competition to be better for, for 2022. Um, and, and that's up and down the field. You know, we also had a year where we had, um, uh, at least near a record number of new drivers come into the sport. So, so it's really helping and fostering that side of it as well. Um, of course, we started the conversation with so much going on uh, at the national and the grassroots level for, for our series. And so um, at the end of the day, it's, it's still being able to focus on those two, um, not necessarily separately, but, but really with different goals and intentions in mind. And, and Preston, once a co-driver, always a co-driver. Um, any, any any plans to uh, to get into that uh, that seat again in the near future? Yeah. So uh, 
I, I was looking at my competition history a couple of weeks ago, actually, and, and 2021 was the first time I didn't compete in uh. something like 14 years or something like that. So um, I would love to get back in a car for 2022. Um, you know, at the end of the day, my priority is is growing and fostering the sport. And uh, if maybe I can sneak a race in, I certainly will try, um, I, whether it's driving or co-driving, you know, now that uh, I'm, I'm not racing full time, then I have no problem going out and racing and getting seventh place in class. <laughs> maybe not as a co-driver, my expectations are different, but uh, as as a driver, it's more fun, but I, I understand my limits. <laughs> Hey, well, we will leave you to get back to uh, preparing for the new season. That, uh, as always, Preston, some, some fascinating insight from a, a guy who knows all aspects of the sport. And, yeah, really appreciate that. ARA is in, in good hands with, uh, with you and the rest of the team. Well, thank Don't you do so some much. Proper work. Yeah, I, I appreciate the kind words, and and uh, again, thank you to the Epartre uh, team for for having me on, and and it's been a pleasure. Of of course, of course, and you know, keep up the great job, and uh, we love rally as well. So. Uh... <laughs>concept for e-part trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for e-part trade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information. If it's a company, you click on request more information. And then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing, and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At epartrade, there is no e-commerce. It's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your workday in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of EPAR trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. EPAR Trade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. There are two types of people, racers and everyone else. Racer Magazine is for those who believe that racing is a way of life. Racer embodies the excellence that defines a sport driven by passion, courage, and ingenuity. Get one year of both Racer's print and digital edition for only $39 with instant access to our entire digital issue archive. Subscribe now at info.racer.com.